The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Slareth, alongside my co-host, Mike Evans, producer Scott. Uh, I've got a great show for you today because... Well, I'm going to make fun of Jerry Jones, and, and that's always, I mean, that's always entertaining. There's no question about it. Before we do that, we have to uh, thank our presenting sponsor, the great people over at Core pH Balance Water. That's the way you want to hydrate yourself. Core Water, I love this stuff, man. It is crisp. It is clean. Honestly, it tastes better than regular water. It's magic. It's science. I don't know what it is, but it is awesome. Ultra purified and balanced with electrolytes that match your body's natural pH level of 7.4. And it's where your body, uh, excuse me, where your body performs at its ultimate best. And um, if you look at me, that's all you can think about is that guy's body's performing because there is just absolutely no question about it. Uh, if you look at my body, it is uh, – I don't know what it's performing, but it's performing. I'll tell you that right now. You can find Core Water at your neighborhood 7-Eleven. It's the one with the blue cap on it, Core, pH balanced water. You can learn more at hydratewithcore.com. I'm telling you, you're going to love this water. There's no question about it. Now, without further ado, uh, my co-host, Mike Evans. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I, I was wondering, you think uh – Aaron Rodgers might want to sponsor this podcast. He's got a few extra bucks now to play with, doesn't that's he? Great, like that's a great question. You know what do you like, say? He could, he could what sponsor. Do you say, Aaron? He, yeah, he wouldn't even notice that uh, you know a few dollars was missing from his account. Right? Was it eighty million between now and St. Patrick's Day? Yeah. Oh, I think one hundred and three total in guarantees. One thirty-four with the potential of becoming one eighty, and eighty between now and and uh, St. Patrick's Day. Dude, did you see what Todd Gurley said about the contract, about the contract that he signed? It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. He posted, like, whoever told you that money doesn't make you happy was lying. How happy is Aaron Rodgers right now? Seriously. I was just like, touche. Good for you, Todd Gurley. Like, you're having a blast. Yeah, but with the money, doesn't now – isn't there even more pressure now on Aaron Rodgers because he got paid – Everybody seems to think that and agree that he's the, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. But, Mark, he's only got one Super Bowl. And, right. and you know that if you want to go down in the discussion amongst the, the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you can't do it with just one. Well, you, you know what's interesting? So it's a combination only, of that and yeah. this contract, you know, just, I mean, the, how much, the pressure's ratcheted up on this guy. I don't know. How does he handle I, it? Like I don't know that the pressure's rash. The pressure is oh, the pressure is always big. And remember, it meant he signed a contract in like 2012 was the highest paid quarterback in the league. So and he's still going to MVPs. And I think he went to NFC Championship after he signed that that contract. So I don't know that there's any more pressure. Um, like the pressure, the pressure to me is more on the front office than it is on Aaron Rodgers. You sign him to the biggest contract in NFL history, you better put some players around him. You better do a phenomenal job in the draft at not only getting the right guys, but you know developing those guys so they can help this guy 
win a championship. It, it, it's always interesting to me, Mike, because we always try to establish a guy's legacy before he's done playing. He's 34 years old. Let's figure out what his legacy is. Did, did you know that I, I believe that Tom Brady went somewhere between his first few Super Bowls, went 10 years without going to the Super Bowl. He's been to eight of them. Like, he goes to one every now, like, every now, now it's just like every other year they're going to Super Bowl. But there's like 10 years, well, not not 10 years between, but there's 10 years where he didn't go to the Super Bowl. Eight years where he did, you know, uh, just under 50% of the time, which is a phenomenal record. But that to say that Aaron Rodgers may still go to some Super Bowls, but if you're going to judge legacy on Super Bowl champions, like, you're, Tom Brady's the GOAT. There's no disputing it. Um it is the way it is. If you go to one more Super Bowl, all of a sudden you're not going to be in the Tom Brady conversation. Like, I think for Aaron Rodgers, when I think of Aaron Rodgers and when I talk to the guys that do what I do for a living, we all say the same thing. Best quarterback in the league. Best off-platform thrower I have ever seen in my entire life. And I always compare them. You know, people like to compare quarterbacks to pitchers. Like, I compare them to shortstops. You know, because you've got to be able to be accurate off-platform. You watch... A shortstop, a great shortstop, you know, plug, fill in the blank, whoever you want to talk about. You know, it's hit deep in the hole and, you know, you 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 travel and then you spin and then you throw it or it's hit short and you have to run up and barehand it and chuck it. You know, it's it's hit, you know, opposite of you and you got to backhand it and then you got to, you know, throw it sidearm. Like, you've got to be able to do that. Like, it, it's not anything like pitching, which you're trying to constantly repeat your mechanics if you have a clean pocket and your feet are clean, yeah. But ultimately, you've got to be able to throw it from all different platforms, from all different arm angles, and you've got to be accurate. And and that's what Aaron Rodgers is the best I've ever seen, it being accurate off-platform. Yeah, but you brought up something, though, that, that just stuck with me. You said now it's up to Green Bay to put people around him. Is it, though? If you're the highest-paid quarterback ever, I, I think that comes with the idea that you make – average people above average you make above average people great mm-hmm. Brady you know for years has played with b-level receivers I mean really outside of Randy Moss for a short amount of time and Gronk he's played with a lot of spares right at the wide receiver position and he's made him great yeah. so you know I, I think you're kind of I don't giving, think I think you're giving Rodgers a bit of a pass to say right. that well now the onus is on the, the Packers to put good people around him. No, it's on him to make the people around him better than they really are. I, well, I think he's done that. I think he's done it on a consistent basis. I, I think I think all you have to do is watch the games last year. I called the last game of the season for them last year be, between them and Detroit, and and they were, you know, very average. Like, I think Aaron has already done that. Um, you know, and I the other thing I get a lot of people telling me, Mike, is like, well, shouldn't he have taken less money like Tom Brady did? You know, so the organization could spend money on on other players, and I'm like, forget that. Like Aaron Rodgers could have made 37 million instead of 34 million. He did give him a discount. Like it's their responsibility to put the players around him. Yeah, you know, he'll cover up a lot of warts. He'll he'll cover up for a lot of mistakes. But you know, I mean, to me, um, that's the onus is on the organization. If you want to say, hey, shouldn't Aaron Rodgers take less money? Okay, well, I'll take less money if I'm Aaron Rodgers when Mike McCarthy morphs into Bill Belichick. Okay, when that happens, when, you know, Dumbledore comes down and touches him with a magic wand and makes him Bill Belichick, then, yeah, I'll give up some money. If we're guaranteed to go to a bunch of Super Bowls, I'm in. But I just don't, 
you know, I again, I look at the organization and say, man, that's on you guys. You guys have to be better. You guys have to be better at evaluating talent and putting players around Aaron Rodgers. Hey, he's he's great, but I don't know. Packers maybe fourth best team in the NFC. Not even the best team in their division, are they? Right. I mean, I still take the Vikings, don't you? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think from a talent perspective, the Vikings have better talent, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, better like, defense. When you look at the two receivers, you look at the tight end. I mean, the tight end obviously Rudolph is a good player. They they went out and got Jimmy Graham. Um, Rudolph is far more multiple. Like he can block on the edge. Jimmy Graham's not an unwilling participant most of the time when it comes to stuff like that. But from a matchup standpoint, you know, Jimmy Graham's one of the all time best, especially in the red zone. But you know. Uh, I would look at I would look at those scenarios and say I think the Packers uh, aren't as good as the Vikings in that in that situation. I think the Packers, from an offensive line standpoint, um, I think Bakhtiari is one of the best players in in football at the left tackle position. So um, you know the Packers may have them there, but defensively, I don't think there's any question. Um, Mike Daniels is one of the best players in football plays defensive tackle for the Packers. But other than that, and Clay Matthews is, you know, when he's not hurt, he's a really good player. But you look at all three levels, two safeties the the Vikings have, you look at the corners they have, the linebacking core they have, and the D-line they have. Um, I, I mean, I think at all three levels, the Vikings win that battle. Yeah, well, just, just give me this, though. When it, it does come to the all-time great debates of quarterbacks, you you better have more than one. Manning, Peyton needed to get that that second one, right. even if he wasn't the same player he once was. It's still a second one. Mm-hmm. Elway needed his two at the end of his career to really solidify right. his legacy, and he wasn't the same player that he was during his prime. But I mean, you take a guy like Dan Marino. I mean, you and I both you well, you you. You know, during the time of Marino, Marino was an absolute witch. I mean, I've you know, you you see the quarterbacks what they do now. Hell, Marino was doing that back in the '80s, with the rules weren't even you know right. close to what they are now. The guy was an absolute you know wizard out there. But who, who brings up Dan Marino right off the bat when you talk about the greatest quarterbacks of all time? He he doesn't get mentioned. All he all he would have had to have done was win one Super Bowl. His whole legacy would have been different. So my, my point is is that when it comes to Rodgers, yeah, everybody seems to agree we're looking at one of the, the greats and, and maybe the best quarterback in the league right now, but you got to win another one, man. You know? I mean... Oh, yeah, if you... Like, to get into that conversation, absolutely, Mike. A- absolutely. Uh, although, to me, you'll never get into the conversation because that conversation's dominated by... The, there's really only two guys that are in that conversation. People... People forget that Terry Bradshaw won four, but it's really Joe Montana and and uh, obviously Tom Brady. Well, if he even wants to get close to Favre for his own fan base, well, Favre only has one. Yeah, but he went to two. But okay, he only but, has one. but Favre with one and Rogers with one. Who's gonna win? Who's gonna win that debate among cheeseheads? It's uh, gonna be Favre. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's still like. If you're getting into a, a bar room discussion with a bunch of fans, you're right. If you get in with a bunch of analysts and former players, you know, they'll give it to, to Aaron Rodgers, I believe. But yeah, Favre was a absolute freak show. So I yeah, it's a really it's really hard. You know the one I'm always fascinated by, Mike, is the people that will argue that Joe Montana's the greatest ever because he has four and he's four and oh in Super Bowls. And Brady was, you know, five and, and three. I'm like, wait a minute. 
isn't the end goal to to get to as many as possible and you took your team to eight and Joe took his to four, doesn't that automatically make you better or doesn't that automatically put you ahead of that argument? Like, man, man you you've love got Tom- five and he's got four? Man, yeah, love- but he lost three. You yeah, love- but he got there. You love Tom Brady. Gosh. Man, you love Tom Brady. I do. I have a theory, man. Go with me on this, okay? This okay. is a theory. Tom Brady theory. Okay, think about it now. So I'm calling a San Francisco game last year for Fox. And in walks Jimmy Garoppolo. And the first thing, I've never met him. Never shook his hand, never met him, nothing. First thing that flies out of my mouth before we even had time to shake hands and introduce ourselves. Handsome off. You, Brady, who wins? Go. (laughs) And he didn't even hesitate. He's not even close. It's me. (laughs) Boom. But here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing. He gets shipped out of town. Right? Right. Then, wait a minute now, go with me on this. Then all of a sudden, this offseason, who do they go out and sign as a free agent? Eric Decker. He's beautiful. Uh, Eric Decker (laughs) is beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) Next thing I know, he's retired. I'm starting to believe that Tom Brady will not let anybody that even approaches his handsomeness on that team. Like, there's no – if they hired me to coach, I'd probably get fired. Right? I'd walk right in there, and then all of a sudden Brady would get – like, he'd puff out his chest and go, wait a minute, that guy's maybe handsomer than me. Next thing you know, I'm I'm unemployed. Oh, 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 okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, listen, I I get – Handsome off. Me, Brady. Go, me. I get Garoppolo and Brady. I get Decker and Brady. So, you are putting yourself in the category of Eric Decker and Jimmy Garoppolo to the point where you think you could hold your own against Brady and a handsome off? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Ain't no question. First off, come on now. Who's got a better body, me or Brady? <laughs> well, okay. that's, that's not even quite, that's not even close. Okay. And I'm fat. <laughs> but my body is awesome okay Plus, i have giant titties okay you should see them they're they're freaking phenomenal they are they are <laughs> yeah those things they're they're a work of beauty yes uh, indeed speaking of uh speaking of beauties i mean i i you know what i gotta give jerry jones <laughs> i gotta give jerry Sorry. jones i gotta give jerry jones credit because yeah. Because, you know, he's a businessman, and, and businessmen want to make money, yeah. and businessmen are, are driven by greed. And, mm. and I get it that NFL owners, you know, they realize that a lot of the revenue streams in the NFL have been sort of tapped out. Right. But, and you know that they would love to go to an 18-game season because it would mean more revenue, right? Correct. What did you think of, of Jarrah coming out and making the case for an 18-game regular season by saying it would actually be safer <laughs> for players. He goes, uh, 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 our studies uh, have proven that um, uh, more injuries happen um, in the preseason, therefore adding two games, uh, as you know heretofore consequently, uh, to the uh, regular season would uh, certainly be uh, 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 a hell of a lot more safe. Like, I want to see that study. Our studies. Like, what study did you do? Like, you asked a couple of your buddies? You think injuries would be better if uh, we didn't have as many? Yeah. Hey, here's my study. If we don't play as much, there are going to be less injuries. <laughs> That's so. Uh, hey, it's a fact. Like, if, if we have four games in the preseason and we limit it to two games, 
there is going to be less injuries because we've taken away two games. It's proof. Science. Done. Like that. I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Please show me the study where you're going to eliminate injuries over the course of a season by eliminating two preseason games where your starters don't play. Like you just you, you I want to see I want to see that study because that study was done in Narnia, like where <laughs> there's like there's magic in that study. Like if you're in Narnia and you're playing preseason games, you're not going to get hurt. Like the Wicked Witch of the West or whatever the hell her name is, the the White Winter Witch um, has got a spell that keeps you healthy. And then you don't even have to get in the ice tub afterwards because you're in freaking Narnia. It's freezing there. Well, we're already, aren't we already to that point? We, you know, nobody plays anybody in the fourth preseason game. And as we saw this preseason with teams like the Rams, they didn't even play anybody in their third preseason game. Right, the dress so, rehearsal game, right? Yeah, so we're already down to a two-game preseason <laughs> in most cases. So mission accomplished. Right, right. There are no injuries. There's never an injury if you just eliminated the two preseason game. Here, here's the issue, you know, and I love this because Jerry, Jerry is the ultimate salesman. Man, he is like the dude in Wizard of Oz that's, you know, the the snake oil guy, right? And, and he's just, I mean, he's just, come into, my, come into my trailer, let me sell you some snake oil. So he throws out the, hey, it's going to be an extra billion dollars of revenue to players, right? Like, oh my goodness, an extra billion dollars. So here, here's the deal, those two games. Like, the problem with that, is that the money isn't divided equally. Like, if every guy got an equal share of those last two games, that'd be 500 and about almost 590,000, like 588 per guy. Like, now, for the, the, the rookie, that would be huge. Or the guy that, send, that signs the veteran's minimum deal, right? If you sign a veteran minimum, you're making a million, and you get an extra $588,000, that's, yeah, that's a pretty sizable chunk of money, right? But for Aaron Rodgers, who's making thirty-four million, you want me to put myself in harm's way again for another five eighty-eight? Oh, we can't ask you to do that, Aaron. So you know what we'll do? We'll give you an extra, you know, five million, and the rest of you scrubs get nothing. And and so I tell you this all the time, man. The way the league has structured with the salary cap, it's this eighty-twenty rule where twenty percent of the guys are making eighty percent of the money. So it's not like, hey, we're going to get an extra two games and everybody's going to get fat. It's just not going to happen. So unless there was, like, there's two things that need to happen here from a Players Association standpoint. Because the Players Association has already come out and said we're not interested in playing 18 games. They've already, I mean, they put a preemptive strike out there, right? They, what do you call that? Throwing a, they threw a salvo out there? Yeah, that's right. They're just like, no, 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 no. Let's end this, let's end this discussion right now. I mean, they came right out and said it. I mean, as soon as Jerry said extra billion dollars and, you know, safer than, than you know, they said, boom, we're not going to do it. Unless, and, well, here and we, then lay here, out your scenario here, because you and I have talked about it. I think right. this, this makes, right. this sounds great if so, you're a player. So this is what I would say to them. Okay, like you're dead set about doing this. First off, there would have to be a certain amount of that billion dollars that would be like playoff share. So every guy, like, you know, and I know we we're not socialists, but like every guy would have to get like, there have to be every guy would have to have some incentive because it's not going to be divvied up equally. But it'd be nice for okay, every guy is going to get you know a two hundred thousand dollar bonus 
for playing these extra two games. And then, you know, the rest of that money goes in the salary cap and you got to negotiate what you got to negotiate. So at least that everybody gets a chunk of, of this new money. Um, again, you know, I believe in capitalism, so that, that probably is a, a non-starter from the, the, the word go. But here's the other thing that you would need. You would need to take your rosters and you'd need to ratchet those rosters up from a 53-man roster to a 63-man roster. And instead of 46 guys being eligible to dress on game day, it's, it's 56. And then you'd have to ratchet up your practice squad as well. Now, that's not it, though. So you get that done, and you make the rosters bigger so that you can survive the season, so that you have more guys to choose from, more guys that you're developing, and that you can, you know, that you can rest some players along the way. Okay? So that would be my first thing that we would need to do. The second thing is we would need the NFL to commit and invest, and I'm talking about invest money, like real money, into a developmental offseason league. Because the problem, Mike, was saying, hey, let's eliminate these two preseason games. You're going to have to give your starters and your backups all those reps so they can get ready to play, right? So guys like me that were 10th rounders in, in Denver right now, you and I do a local radio show in Denver. There is a great story in Denver. His name is Philip Lindsay, running back from CU, didn't get invited to the combine, ran a 4-3 something at his pro day. He's come into Denver. They've given him opportunities, and he just keeps taking reps. And every time he goes out there, he plays better and better and better, and the guy's phenomenal, and he's going to make the team. Well, that guy, under this billion-dollar, hey, we're only going to two preseason games, doesn't make the team. He doesn't get the opportunity. So there has got to be a system in which you can develop these young players. And I know the owners would look at it like, well, that's that, that costs us our, our revenue. We don't want to do that because now we're not sharing the revenue. But the bottom line is, to me, one of the reasons that the league is suffering is not just the head trauma stuff, but let's face it, Mike, the first six weeks of the season, everybody knows it's just an extension of the preseason because nobody's truly ready to play. So you get bad football early. Am I wrong about that? No, you're right. I don't know if it's six weeks, but you're you're definitely right that the first three weeks of the regular season are are it's are, six. Are, are awful. It, it's six. Six. It's six. Uh, I don't know about six. I but... did a science, Mike. I did a science. Oh, did, did you study. do a study? Did you? Yes, like, I did. A did you get study. Jerry's people to uh, commission a study for you about yes. exactly how long it lasts? Yes, exactly. And the study came back that said six weeks. It's but crazy. The, the problem with what you're, it sounds good, but you're. Uh, you're defeating the whole purpose of why Jerry brought this up in the first place. Right. This is about greed, or this is about money. This is about making more money. You know, you look at the NFL. They're probably so jealous of a league like the NBA, which has this huge worldwide market for them to uh, tap into. The NFL doesn't really have that. So, you know, what what other new ways do they have of, of wrangling more money out of this? And, and they look at the... Two more games, and so the last thing they want to do is is take all this this money, that extra money they're trying to make, and then pour it back into the players, pour it back into roster spots and salary well, and, we, and and benefits but, and all but, that stuff. They're, right. they're here to make money, Mark. Right? Isn't that the problem with the NFL in general, Mike? Honestly, like think about the problem with the NFL in general. The NFL has basically said, "You guys are crack addicts, and we're selling crack cocaine." And hey, supply and demand. Right. right. Well, well regard- okay, but 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 Mark, let, all right. Let you you speak. 
you're obviously influenced, prejudiced by the fact that you're a former player, and I'm not. I don't begrudge right. that. Okay. Okay. But just listen to me, uh, the fan, and li- and and I, I think I'm speaking for every single fan out there listening right now. We want 18 games. Are you telling me you can right. you can give me two more Sundays that matter, especially at the expense of two less preseason games that don't matter? Sign me up. Right. I, I'm a crack addict, and give me more. Right. No, I get it. I mean, I I completely understand it. Um, my my deal is the problem with the NFL, man, is is organizational arrogance. We can do whatever we want. We can implement whatever rule we want. We can change whatever we want. And you guys are crack addicts, and we're selling you crack. You know, eventually, if you keep selling bad crack, you know what happens to crack addicts? They all OD, and then guess what? You're out of business. My my big issue with the NFL is you you better service your clientele, and you can only step on them so much before your clientele starts to get upset. You can only if you're a restaurant and you have a great I mean you just have a great menu and you serve unbelievable meals and then you start to skimp and you start to cut costs and you start to cut quality and all of a sudden I come to you and and I order the same thing at that restaurant every single time I go in and the meal's bad one day and I'm like huh well it must they must have had an off day then I come back a week later and have the same meal that I've had every, you know, every Friday for the last four years, and again it's bad. Then I'm going to start to go, uh-oh, this recipe's changed. This place ain't the same. And I may give you one more chance or maybe even two more chances, but eventually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find a new restaurant. And and here's my, my concern is the product, because of the new rules and because of the helmet-to-helmet stuff and everything else, the product continues to change. Like, I'll give you a quick for instance, and, and I'm just going to go off on a tangent real quick. And this is a microcosm of things that are wrong in the NFL. The NFL app sucks ass. <laughs> wow. Okay. I didn't see this coming. Right. Okay, go ahead. Okay, it does. It used to be awesome, right? If you watch, if you download and you have the MLB app, the MLB app is phenomenal. The NFL app sucks. It used to be good. But you know what? They sold it to Verizon. And Verizon has taken off a bunch of the features because, you know what, they don't care. They know, and the NFL knows, you're going to buy the damn thing. So all of a sudden, where you used to be able to telestrate on it and, and create cool videos, you can't do that anymore. Like, you used to be able to take the games that you needed to get through, download them, and then watch them on the plane. Well, you can't do that anymore either. You know why? Because they want you to eat up your, your data package by streaming the damn things. So this app that used to be phenomenal absolutely sucks. Every guy in the business that I know has called to complain to the NFL and written emails and everything else. And you know what they say to you? We don't care because you know what? You're still going to buy it. You're still buying it. And if you continue to do that to your fan base, you continue to tell them, hey, we don't give a crap about you. You're a crack addict. We know that. You're going to watch. Eventually, you know what's going to happen? Eventually, people are going to get tired of it. And it may not happen this year, and it may not happen next year, but if the product continues to wane and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and, and it becomes unrecognizable to us, Mike, eventually that bubble will burst. And they need to understand that. That's why they need to invest back in this game for a developmental league so young players come off the bench who aren't making all the money and they come in and they play well right away. That needs to happen. Mm. Passionate. I love your passion. You make a great argument, but in the meantime, I like crack.
<laughs> Who doesn't? It's delicious. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you know what else I like way more than crack? Um, being that I've never tried crack, is uh, Core Water. And I appreciate Core Water for sponsoring this phenomenal podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. It's always good to talk to you, buddy. And, and for the record, I don't like crack. Okay, <laughs> Just in case anybody's wondering. Mike, that Mike Evans, he's a real crack whore. Crack whore? Oh, wait. <laughs> wow, now you just double down on me. <laughs> wait. Jeez. Wait. Erase that, but don't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. For everybody involved with the Stick of Truth podcast, for Mike Evans, for me, for Scott to Huff, man, uh, we'll get back with you guys uh, here in just the next couple of days.